You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Good morning, everyone. I'm Ivy Taylor, Mayor of the City of San Antonio. I'm sorry I couldn't join you for today's special message, Love Your City, but I do want to share my thoughts with you. Nearly 20 years ago, I moved to San Antonio for love. I had met Rodney during a summer internship and returned after graduating with my master's degree from UNC Chapel Hill. It didn't take long for me to fall in love with this city too. From historic neighborhoods to the modern downtown tech district, from the famed river walk to the beautiful hill country, and from authentic food to crazed Spurs fans, there's so much to love about San Antonio. I have made it my mission to help make San Antonio a globally competitive city where every resident is connected to opportunities for prosperity. In the new international version of the Bible, Jeremiah 29, seven states, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. It is my hope that every one of you not only prays for our city, but also goes out to enjoy it. The way you live, the family you raise, and the fun you have is what makes San Antonio such a great place to be. Thank you for choosing to be here. Please know that you have a friend at City Hall, and may God bless you all. Well, my thanks to Mayor Taylor for uh, sending us a brief little word today uh, on the service that we're conducting here at City Church downtown. And I want you to imagine something just for a minute. Now, this is just a scenario that I've created in my own mind, and I want you to go with me on this. I want you to imagine that Canada attacked Texas, okay? That's kind of a funny thought, isn't it? Because we're like, Canada, we'll, we'll hammer Canada, you know, they're nothing. But I want you to imagine just for a minute that Canada came here and overtook us with their military, which I know is kind of a funny thought, but let's say they conquered Texas and then they took us into exile up into Canada. What would that be like, right? It would be really cold, not like Texas cold, but like real cold. They had this stuff up there called snow, this white stuff, and it's really, really cold, and we wouldn't enjoy the warmth uh, that we enjoy down here in Texas. And furthermore, uh, they would want us to eat their food, right? I mean, we wouldn't have any good Mexican food up there. There would be no good tacos up there. It would be all like Canada food, you know? And then uh, we would go up there, and they wouldn't let us watch football and stuff. They'd make us watch hockey, and we wouldn't necessarily like that, the most of us. And then we couldn't say, y'all, it would be this a-hoser, right? Uh, so it wouldn't be anything like they're used to. They would try and teach us their ways, you know? Uh, but we don't want to learn their ways. And that was just a small picture of perhaps how the Jewish people felt when they were conquered by the Babylonians. And they were taken, the professional class of Jewish people were taken from their homeland and relocated in Babylon, in the city of Babylon. What you got to understand about this is that it offended uh, all the sensibilities of these Jewish people to live in the city of Babylon. It offended their cultural norms. It offended their spiritual convictions. And so they wanted to get out of there. So the Jewish people are praying and they're asking God, God, get us out of the chaos of Babylon. Because see, the Babylonians were hoping that um, once that the Jewish people had spent a couple of generations there, they would just be assimilated into Babylonian ways. 
and they would lose their cultural distinctives. And so that's why the Jewish people are praying, God, get us out of here. God, get us back home to Jerusalem. Get us back to Israel. You know, God, do what you did back in Egypt when you parted the sea and miraculously got us out of there. You brought all those plagues on the Pharaoh, you know, the frogs and the, you know, turn the water to blood and all this whack kind of stuff. And you parted the ocean so we could uh, escape miraculously from Egypt. God, do something like that. And God didn't give them the answer they wanted to get out of their current chaos. So let me show you the answer that God gave them through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 29. Look at verses 5 through 7. God says, rather than flee that city, he says, build homes and plan to stay. Marry and have children. Find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the what? City where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. So no matter the chaos that you feel in this life right now, I want to submit to you one transformative idea, and it's simply this. Create a beautiful future through city integration. Create a beautiful future through city integration. I'm going to explain in the rest of my teaching today uh, how to do that, and I'm going to show you four ways to integrate into our city that will calm the chaos in your life. And they come from Jeremiah. Look at the first one. Jeremiah says, stay in the city. Build homes and plan to stay. Some of you feel exiled in San Antonio, don't you? Uh, You're like me. You didn't grow up here. How many of you uh, came to San Antonio from some other place? Just raise your hand real quick. You're like me. You came here from other places, but you didn't grow up here. Okay. How many of you, go ahead and put your hands down. How many of you grew up here in San Antonio? You're natives here. Okay, that's the majority of you here today. Most of you are home folk. And what I want to ask you to consider today is to stay here in the city. And I'm going to ask you to consider staying in particular in the inner city. Some of you have thought about leaving the inner city for more square footage that's cheaper and uh, newer schools and all that type of thing. I want to ask you to pray about staying here in the inner city city. You know, we have this uh, saying in recovery, everywhere you go, there you are. Let me explain what I mean by this. Uh, Have you ever met that person that they think that their city is lame? And they're like, oh, San Antonio's lame. I'm going to move to Houston. (laughs) Double lame, okay? (laughs) Um, So they get to Houston, and all of a sudden, Houston gets lame. And then that person isn't happy in Houston, and they're like, I'm going to move to Dallas, okay? And Dallas all of a sudden becomes what? Lame. Everywhere you go, there you are. You've got to take care of your own business. And all of a sudden, the city that you live in won't be lame anymore when you work on your own uh, wounds and needs inside your heart. And so I want to ask you to consider stay in this city. And some of you, I'm going to ask you to do something a little strange. I'm going to ask you to pray about moving in moving into the inner city inside Loop 410 somewhere. Now, I get that that's not practical for some of you and that it would be a huge sacrifice and it's actually not even financially doable for you. And if that's the case, I want to ask you to continue to drive in and worship here in the inner city and engage in the culture of 
the downtown area. Everyone's honored here. There's no room for urban self-righteousness in our church. So whether you live in the suburbs or the inner city, you're making an impact by worshiping and volunteering here. And you know, I like that comic book, Daredevil, and I uh, saw the show that they had. Anybody see the show on Netflix or whatever, Daredevil? Okay, a few of you. Okay, these are the good people, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, I like Matt Murdock, The Secret Identity of Daredevil. He said this, you know, the funny thing, few people are actually from here. The ones who are, they don't leave. They can't. They, uh, they feel like the city is a part of them. And that's the way I'm starting to, I, I feel about our city, San Antonio. See, the more you get into the city, the more the city gets into you. The more you invest in and love the city, the more it gets into you. And it's not so much that um, you feel like you're just a part of the city. You feel like the city's a part of you. You know, I grew up in Oklahoma and they have this little musical and they say, we know we belong to the land and the land we belong to is grand. See, it's like we belong to the land and we belong to the city. It is a part of us. And I'm gonna ask some of you to change your mindset about urban and city living. You know that today, 54% of the world's population lives in urban areas. And that's gonna grow to 66% by 2050. Rural areas are in decline. And unfortunately, there has been this anti-urban or anti-city mentality amongst many church people and many Christians who have fleed the city like scared rabbits, fleeing from the problems of the urban core for safer, more comfortable environments. And I think that's a tragedy because it causes the influence of Christian people to leave where the need is the greatest. See, cities are strategic because art, music, government, media, banking, business, and education oftentimes center in the city. Culture and influence move from the center city out to the suburbs and to the country. And if you don't like cities, you're really not going to like heaven whatsoever. Let me show you this from Revelation chapter 21, verse 2. John says, I saw the holy what? city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. We see Jesus' heart for his city in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the what? And he wept over it. I think our city needs more people that come here and weep over the problems of urban decay and blight. And then Paul was discouraged in many of the things that were happening in the city of Corinth. And God encouraged him in Acts chapter 18, 9. Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent, for I'm with you, and no one will attack and harm you. For many people in this what? City belong to me. Look, we could go through the whole Bible, and if you do a word study of the word city, you would see it throughout the entire text. Isaiah in the Old Testament is often called the prophet of the city, because he constantly talks about urban realities. In fact, if you look at the Bible, it actually feels sorry for people that don't get to live in a city. In a city, you have more cross-pollination of ideas. It's where creativity happens, because you rub elbows with people who are like you, and you rub elbows with a lot of people who are not like you, that help you to think in unique ways that you wouldn't have thought about prior to being a part of a city. 
And part of the purpose of this talk today is to remind you why we started this church here in the heart of our city. Let me go back and give you a brief history of City Church downtown. We started in May of 2008 at the TriPoint building when it was nothing more than a shelled out Albertsons. And then we were displaced from the TriPoint building in September of 2008. We were displaced and our lease was canceled from there. So we were a homeless church and we basically had to start over in October of 2008 at the Josephine Theater. Then in November of 2009, we moved here to the Cameo Theater. Some of you know that uh, in recent years, we've uh, purchased the Cameo Theater. You've heard me tell the story of how we prayed for it, and God actually helped us to purchase this theater and the building right next door uh, for $100,000 below its appraised value. Um, and I'll just tell you this, that in recent days, as we've been talking to our bank, because um, we're having to fund the renovations that are going to happen here in the theater, um, we purchased these two buildings for $850,000, which was at the time $100,000 below its appraised value, which at that time was $950,000. Well, in our work with the bank, they had to do another appraisal of our buildings. And you know what this place that we bought for $850 is appraising at now? A little over $2 million. So it's like, so let's sell it, right? <laughs> Flip that church. You know, just, just a joke. Just a joke. But see, God's blessing us because we're not afraid to come and serve where he needs us to serve, right? Now, let me show you uh, another way to integrate into the city, and that is multiply. Jeremiah says, multiply. Do not dwindle away. That's why uh, I love it when we have child dedications here. You know, you guys keep making these beautiful babies, and you know how that happens, right? It, it keeps happening, um, keep having more and more babies, and so some of you husbands are going to go home today, and uh, you're going to tell your wife, well, you're going to be romancing her, you know, after the football games and everything, and, and, and you're going to be like, I just am doing what Pastor Doug said. He read it from the Bible. It's right there. We got we to keep doing whatever it takes to multiply, right? Um, but I also love that our Kid City ministry has grown to over 150 children each week. They're right there next door um, getting an age-appropriate lesson from our great volunteers and Michelle Cook, who's leading that ministry. And then City, yeah, that's worth clapping for, right? And then City Youth on Wednesday nights, um, two weeks ago, for the first time, they had over 100 uh, students and adult volunteers at City Youth to serve students uh, here in the inner city. And then uh, our church overall has continued to grow over the years, and we kind of run out of space. And so that's why we're doing some of the renovations that we're adding a balcony in the back. And we're praying about how we're going to be able to grow after that and continue to multiply like we're asked to do. So uh, we're praying and asking God, do you want us to have just, you know, a another space? Or would you like us just to start another one um, somewhere else here in the urban core? Um, but it's counterintuitive for most people to think that the way you calm your personal chaos is through serving others or serving a city. But I know that the recovery folks have known this for many, many years. And that's why the 12th step reads like it does. Uh, look at the recovery 
Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. So part of your recovery is taking this message to others who need recovery. A lot of people in, in the recovery movement will say, you're not recovered until you help someone else in their uh, recovery. And so as we continue to multiply and carry this message to others, it calms the chaos in our own lives. There's something about taking the focus off your own pain and problems and focusing on others that minimizes your own pain, calms and heals it. But let me show you the third way that we integrate. Uh, we work for common grace. Jeremiah says, and work for the peace or shalom and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Now, does this mean that we just work for the peace and prosperity uh, of the church and Christian people? No, absolutely not. We believe in a theological concept that's called common grace. Let me show you the definition of it. It's a theological concept in Christianity referring to the grace of God that is either common to all humankind or common to everyone. It is common because its benefits are experienced by the whole human race without distinction between one person or another. And so Jesus picks up on this concept when he's saying in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, for he gives, speaking of God, God gives his sunshine or sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. And so that doesn't mean that you lose your biblical distinctives in this life, that what it does mean is that part of our charge from God is to serve people who agree with us and those who do not agree with us, work for the common grace of all people. And you guys spend the majority of your time in this life at work, don't you? And your work can be the work of God. So long as you're creating products, goods, and services that lead to the flourishing of humans, the flourishing of all people, you're working for common grace in your jobs. So I've got this friend uh, and city church attender, my friend, Dr. Antonio Petrov, and he works as an architecture professor at UTSA. And along with his team, Antonio uh, won a contest to design the Broadway corridor from downtown San, San Antonio outward, see? And what they're doing there is they're creating something for the common good creating something to create a more beautiful future for our city. Look at Antonio's conversation with Humbi Sabeta this past week. To make the city a better place is basically something of my everyday life, of my everyday thinking. I, I, I wouldn't say I wake up with that in my mind, like how do I make the city a better place, but it is what I do for work, it, it is how I um, look at the city as a, as a citizen, it is how uh, I look at the city as an activist. There's different ways um, in which I can, can do something uh, to make it a better place. People are in this city have inspired me to pursue this project not through the lens or through ways we've done things in the past. We have um, looked at, at Broadway itself as a, as, a, as a street and we thought, yeah, Broadway um, or San Antonio at large has like some transportation issues. 
the future will definitely increase them. Broadway cannot hold like a light rail or a streetcar system because at its narrowest point, it will just create a bottleneck and it will create a catastrophe. And basically, there was only two things we could do. We could either go into the ground and we could kind of lift up something up in, in the sky and the ground was not an option at all. So we were like, okay, let's think about how do we make things fly in San Antonio. And so we started doing some research and we found also that in the history of San Antonio, there was a system like this. It was smaller, it was in Brackenridge Park or at the Hemisphere, but like it was a great inspiration for us to think, yeah, it was here, it was made possible back then, why not today? And I was really interested from the beginning with this project in, in the back to kind of like engage in a dialogue before we even started drawing or designing or anything. Like um, I was really interested in kind of like putting people together and starting to share ideas and shape like something that we could maybe one day think of as a future. And, and I, we strongly believe that this project behind us here uh, with the Skyride and the Thousand Parks could be one way of, of um, thinking about the future and beautifying our city, uh, not with one individual authorship, but with all of us together. Isn't that awesome? Right? Yeah, that's cool. See, that's like, creating a beautiful future through city integration. Now, let me show you the fourth way to integrate, and that is to pray the butterfly effect. Jeremiah says, pray to the Lord for your city, for its welfare will determine whose welfare? Your welfare, won't it? Your city's welfare will determine your welfare. That's why when we have our prayer moments at the front, at the beginning of services, oftentimes, we're not just praying for our own needs. We're praying for people in our city. We're praying for others around us because we're all interconnected. The welfare of others is connected to our welfare. And as we pray for and serve others, it actually has what we call the butterfly effect upon us. In chaos theory, the butterfly effect is the sensitive dependence on initial conditions in which a small change in one state of a deterministic nonlinear system can result in large differences in later states. So that term was actually coined by a guy named Edward Lawrence when studying meteorology and weather patterns. Thus, the butterfly flapping its wings in South America affects the weather in Central Park. You see that? When a small dynamic has changed, it has an effect on others that are unseen. And when you serve and love and pray for our city, it has an effect that you can't see or sometimes that you can't even imagine. It's like the butterfly effect. Isaiah understood this when he was encouraging the people of Jerusalem to care for the poor in their city. Look at what he said in Isaiah 26, 5. He says, God humbles the proud and brings down the arrogant city. He brings it down to the dust. The poor and oppressed trample it underfoot, and the needy walk all over it. So basically what Isaiah is picking up on is the butterfly effect when collectively a group of citizens in a city don't care for their poor. Those poor end up trampling the very city in which those citizens live. And so we want to create a beautiful future through loving and serving our city. That's why our city youth team is serving more and more inner city students. And as they do that, that will keep kids off of the streets and out of gangs. It'll keep kids 
away from the drug activities and causing crime in your neighborhood and causing robberies and murders in your neighborhood. As city youth attenders create businesses that in turn create jobs for people, people will have honorable work and not see any reason to steal from you and the people that live on your street. As more and more people go through the recovery process that we call peel the onion here at City Church, more people will have freedom from their inner hurts and wounds. And we all know that hurt people hurt other people, right? And the people that they hurt may be you. That's why we're all, uh, we understand that we're all interconnected. That's why we want to serve others. That's why as we welcome more and more brothers and sisters in poverty into our spiritual community here, into our spiritual family here, there will be less drug trafficking and less human trafficking and less violence in our city that will affect you. Every single thing you do matters. It doesn't matter whether you work as a sales professional during the day or a mechanic or a nurse or a waiter or a waitress or a school administrator or a teacher. You can, through your work, cause the butterfly effect, set it in motion. And Jeremiah shows us that our work will come back to affect us. That's what Miss Watson from an inner city school found out. She, for years, invested in inner city students where she lived. And then what she later found out was that when she invested in them, they would later affect her welfare. Take a look at Miss Watson's story. We hear anything to do with Miss Watson and we're like, we're there. She's just gone through a rough patch with her health. So I just want to let her know that I love her and uh, keep on pressing forward. I know she's going to be really, really thrilled when she sees all of us. Miss Watson believes that she's getting ready to have a teacher interview at her school tomorrow. She's about to get a handful. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I found was blind, but now I see. together like that. It's just great to feel loved and that what you do matters. This is a small example of the gratitude that we all have for you in the many years you've invested into us. Because of you, I'm everything I am today. And I really thank you. Lord, thank you for the grace that you've extended to us. It is truly amazing. And Father, I pray that you would use this place 
as an epicenter to send out ripples of not just one little butterfly flapping its wings, but many of us that can impact a whole city. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus and for his sake, everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.